Welcome to Upasana, the daily spiritual channel. In Sanskrit, Upasana literally means sitting near and is a prescribed method for approaching a guru or getting close to a guru. Upa in Sanskrit means near and asanam means to sit. So, Upasana means a way to sit near God or Guru. Upasana can be described as a systematic practice of a prescribed method of work, which is worship. This channel is dedicated to all the Gurus who have enriched the knowledge space with their pearls of wisdom, taking us to the right path to living a meaningful life. We call it daily spirituality to enrich our attitudes and approach to the challenges of life. Upasana Daily Spirituality Welcome to the Don't Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Experiences. My name is Kishan and I'm going to be speaking with Anand today. He's had a fab trip to Svalbard, so let's hear more from him. Hi Anand. Hey Kishan. Hey Anand, I have actually been reading a lot about your recent blog and that was in regards to Svalbard. And uh, to frankly put it out there, I've never heard of that place until I actually ran past your blog. So kind of curious to know that what is this place all about and how do you go about selecting these odd destinations? Interesting question. Um, uh, you read my blog on the Beyond Experiences. I did, I did, yes. Okay, okay. So, uh, you know, my company, Beyond Experiences, we, we focus on uh, trips that are a bit off the beaten track. We say don't mm-hmm. trip on the usual. Mm-hmm. The experiences that I had there were probably ordinary for people out there. But for me, it was an extraordinary place and therefore it was an extraordinary experience. It was it was strange. It was completely, um, you know, almost something that, that, that seemed ethereal to me. Mm-hmm. So, frankly, there's no method in this uh, madness. I have a bucket list of places that I think are extremely, are places that I would love to go to. Okay. I think most travelers who like experiential travel would also want to go to those places. And then I have this bucket list, I just choose where, when I need to go. Okay. Actually, Svalbard, I should have gone about three years back here. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was in Iceland and then I had gone to Berlin to do the lake districts of Germany. And then from Berlin, I had a flight back to Svalbard. And the next day I was flying off to Svalbard uh, 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 from Oslo. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the flights to Svalbard are only from Oslo and there are only a couple of flights or three flights every week. It's not a place where there's too much of business traffic that happens. I hadn't uh, budgeted for cancellation of flights. So from Berlin, I reached Oslo and I was to reach Oslo and the next day fly out. Mm-hmm. The flight from Berlin to Oslo got cancelled. And even if I reached the next day in Oslo, I wouldn't have been able to go there because it was three days off. Now, I did the next best thing. I cancelled the entire Svalbard trip, went off to um, Amsterdam and kind of chilled out in Amsterdam. Let's put it that way. Chilled yeah, out in Amsterdam. I'm sure you will be having your share of fun that's in Amsterdam. It. That's right. It's a lovely place. We'll talk about that later. But then I spent some three days there and came back. This was two years back. This time, I made uh, uh, sure that such flight issues don't come up. And this is near the Arctic Circle. Issues do crop up. Mm-hmm. This time, what I did is I went and spent some three days in Oslo. And after that uh, was my ticket to Svalbard. Mm-hmm. And then after coming back also, I had three extra days. So if one flight got cancelled, I had 
another backup to come up, come on okay so one quick uh, question that i had was since you mentioned that there are very few flights to swalbard so are there not many tourists going down there uh, because it's only twice a week or once a week and if it happens to get cancelled then your your schedule goes for a toss yes it's very few tourists who get out there there are a lot of tourists in the cruise season who come in in a cruise and come down and go away but the cruise season is a very bad time to get into this place because there's too many people there too many tourists it's 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 a mess it's a bad house so why does one really go to svalbard i mean when you say that there are very few tourists who actually go down to this place what's there in svalbard okay so svalbard is the last inhabited town before the north pole okay it's that way far up mm-hmm. it's a small island um it's a it's you could call it a country okay it's a no visa territory which means anybody can get out there without a visa so can, but one can't directly fly to svalbard you right? can't you have to go via uh, oslo okay uh, the flights are only there from oslo so you go via uh, uh, oslo and tromso so only through now norway the reason that is that this is a no visa country but it's administered by norway Okay. Uh, you might wonder why is it that such rules exist. Mm-hmm. So the reason is that Svalbard, being so close to the polar ice cap and being part of it almost, um, there is this uh, global seed vault that is there in this particular ah, okay. place. Now the global seed vault is this is our insurance against Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Let's say everything collapses on Earth at, at some point in time due to whatever reason. Then deep under the crust of the Earth, below the polar ice cap. in svalbard in a place called longyearbyen in svalbard mm-hmm. there is this global seed vault where the seeds of almost all plants in this world are stored wow it is our insurance to regenerate the earth in case everything goes off so did you happen to go down to longyearbyen yes i went in there i went and saw the global seed vault they did not they don't allow you to enter because right. it is it is very highly uh, it's in a very highly controlled environment okay they don't let you enter but i did see it from outside i i kind of tried to imagine what it would be inside it's it's a very nondescript structure in the middle of an ice field it's okay. just ice ice and more ice in the middle of it there's a small structure it's not very tall because the whole thing is built underground okay and uh, did you happen to stay overnight down uh, in uh, svalbard of course i spent a week there man you spent a week there yeah and what kind of accommodation does one get down there so you have the really Okay, everything is expensive there because it's difficult to get stuff out there, right? right. It's it's very far out. Right. Uh, so the you have really swank five star kind of facilities, mm-hmm. maybe not five star, maybe four star, mm-hmm. but really luxury accommodation. You also have very bare bones uh, hostels available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have too many of these, uh, you know, homestays kind of thing. There are not too many homes, frankly speaking, there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the place I stayed in was a converted oil rig, so for it, it was very interesting, and that's the only reason I stayed there. They mm-hmm. taken in. uh containers uh, uh to be trashed oil rig containers that were that are meant to be trashed and mm-hmm. this lady had bought it and put it in one particular place mm-hmm. and redecorated to to be uh, accommodation so you have okay. rooms and you have uh, um loos and so on and so forth it's not like a private loo and stuff uh, for like six seven rooms you have one loo kind of thing but it's beautiful it's absolutely fascinating there's no standard uh, interior decoration etc okay but there's heating and that's all that you want there Okay, so uh, if everybody is converting these containers into accommodation, I would presume that uh, there's no issue in terms of uh, accommodation when a lot of tourists do turn up. 
There is actually. It is, there is not too much. Oh, it's only this lady who converted this. Okay, she's it's yeah. Lady. The others are all uh, uh, proper hotels and uh, you know, things like that and proper structures. Um, this one is quirky. So they they've just set up a set of our converted rig uh, containers, and that's where the rooms are. So uh, there's one more interesting thing that I was reading up here on your blog was the sighting of polar bears. I would assume that you. Happen to spot some of them of your size or larger than you? Not really, man. Uh, you know, a polar bear of my size would probably call a dwarf and will be performing in a circus or something <laughs> like that. But uh, they're, they're really big, huge creatures. But the thing is, um, uh, the season that I went uh, was towards the fag end of winter, okay. and that's not the season when there are too many polar bears there. Uh, technically speaking, Svalbard is supposed to have more polar bears than humans. Exactly. Bears. Exactly. And all over the town, there are these boards that are that say that uh, you know polar bear region don't step here, don't step off your vehicle here, and so on. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, if you have to step out of the town town limits, you have to have a, a licensed guide mm-hmm. who carries a gun with him. Oh, okay. Because uh, polar bear attacks are very fairly frequent. In fact, last year or the year before, there were a couple of polar bear. Uh, attacks that had happened mm-hmm. um so they take that precaution but you know the global warming and all of that polar bears have also realized that they don't like us too much they have retreated further up north now. ah okay. i didn't spot any i just saw a lot of signs okay now now when you say that uh, you know the the number of polar bears outnumber the humans yeah what is the population of a place like swalbard about 2000 yeah. just about 2000 yeah people. that's right so uh you know, considering it's it's a pretty cold place, yeah. what do the people do down there? Okay, so the funny thing is this, yeah. Um, I found a whole bunch of brethren okay. in the sense that I believe I'm a, I'm a bit of a nomad at heart. I don't like to settle down. Okay. I love traveling around the place. I love staying in a place with no, uh, no ties attached and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I still do have a home in Bangalore and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and EMIs to pay and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The random things. But um, uh, people there are the t- true nomads. This place was not inhabited. Mm-hmm. So there are no originals. Okay. So everyone who's there has come from outside and they're coming because it's a no visa region. Right. I met one guy because I was standing outside one place having a smoke and there is this guy who came up and everyone is very chatty and very friendly there. So he came in and we started chatting and. Uh, um, you know what I've always told you about how cigarettes make the best friends. Right. So we're standing there and having a smoke in this cold, and they don't allow smoking inside the houses. So if you have to smoke, you have to brave um, uh, the weather and uh, risk frostbite and smoke. Okay. So we're standing there and chatting, and, and very interesting. The guy's from uh, somewhere in South America, um, Brazil, I think. And then he moved on uh, uh, on work into Canada and to Spain and so on. And then some friend told him, "Come here, and there's no visa." He came there, started working. Mm-hmm. He's been there for two years. He doesn't know how long he'll stay there and he'll probably move back mm-hmm. at some point in time. How did you go about spending your time apart from that? Ah, good question. So there are the Northern Lights. This is so close to the North Pole that uh, it, it's way above the Arctic Circle. So the Northern Lights uh, are, are almost a regular phenomenon out there. So one was the Northern Lights. It was, uh, I went on a couple of nights going out for the Northern Lights in the evening. There's a place called uh, Barentsburg. Um, uh, it, it was a camp, you know, so uh, it's called the Barentsburg Camp. And uh, it commemorates the first landing by somebody who had come in here. He'd set up a camp and he was stuck there for more than a year mm-hmm. along with his shipmates okay. before they were rescued. So that camp, the way he had built it is exactly how they built it. That's called the Barentsburg Camp. I spent an evening there, fabulous evening. 
So there were, um, I, th- I think I was the only Indian or me and uh, uh, my co-travelers, three of us were Indians. And the rest of the people out there were all Norwegians, uh, Danes, Americans, uh, uh, a couple from uh, Congo, uh, people from Southeast Asia, Japanese, a whole bunch of us sitting inside this camp in the middle of a huge stretch of wilderness. It's a traditional Sami kind of a camp and you're inside that, it's a teepee, it's heated, there's fire in the center, there's uh, their comfort food, a kind of soup with reindeer, etc. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, their local drinks, okay. of course, beer and stuff. And we were all swapping stories, we were chatting, one of the most magical nights that I've had, you know, uh, I found that most magic in travel happens when you don't have a fixed agenda of sightseeing. Right. And this was one of those uh, great examples. So, Karen, uh, Barentsburg camp was a great one. Um, the Northern Lights hunts, I told you. Uh, th- th- this this used to be, uh, and of course, the Global Seed Vault. This used to be a coal mining town once upon a time. And there was a lot of mining that used to happen. Here. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, it started off as a coal mining town and there's a town called Pyramiden nearby, which is where the Russians had come and settled and they were doing a lot of mining. They abandoned it ab- uh, abruptly once when one of their flights crashed and a lot of Russian uh, workers died. Mm-hmm. That is a ghost town that is near visited because in the winter, during summers, you can go and visit this ghost town. But there's nothing. There is, it's just a built up place. Coffee mugs left the way it was kind of thing. So that's nearby. But uh, this is a coal mining town and you can go in for these coal mine tours and it's quite an exercise. Oh, I see. You go right on top of a mountain and then you go down into the mine. Some of the mines are no longer functional, they were manual mines. Now there are a lot of uh, uh, non-manual mines, let's put it that way. So these guys used to come out there and there was a lot of swagger in the coal miners at that time. But mm-hmm. it, was, it, was a, it was quite an experience to go around those things. There was a train inside which ah. transports the, used to transport the coal, etc. So went looked at all of that. It's a disused mine, but I but one part of the shaft they've left it as it is, so that you can kind of crawl in and experience the entire thing. That was a beautiful experience. So there's a coal mine of towards. Then there are a lot of caving that is possible there. I don't know if you've done caving when you were in Norway, did you? No, I don't have. Uh, those glacier caves that mm-hmm. are in Norway. So here there are a lot of uh, there are a few of those caves. So you go in and then there is a hole on the on the glacier and you descend into it and then you go into one of these caves and go around. So there's a lot of caving that is done. There is uh, oh, there is lots to do in that town. Yeah, there, there's a, there's the the northernmost church in the world is out there. Oh, okay. Pretty much since this is the northernmost town in the world, everything right, there right, you can right, call it the northernmost. Right, right. So, you know, if I had kind of thrown my shoe up north, I could have said it's a northernmost <laughs> shoe. But but the uh, the northernmost church in the world is out there. It's called Svalbard Kirka. Plain, simple, beautiful, absolutely, and it and it retains the essence. I love that church. Uh, it retains the essence of what religion and every and places of worship is meant to be. That church is heated and kept open 24 hours. So wow. if there is somebody who loses his way, somebody doesn't have heat, he can just come inside. Nice, and sit. nice. That's the essence of religion, isn't it? Right, kind of right. Place of worship. So it's beautiful. In fact, their store out there in the Svalbard Kirka, what struck, struck me was that they've got a store where you can buy stuff and mementos and stuff like that. And there's coffee and there's tea and there's cookies. There's nobody to man it. Ah. They just put the price out there. Oh, okay. All that you do is you put the, that money into one uh, box out there, pick up what you want and go. As simple as that. As simple as that. What, what would happen if they had something like that out here? I know, <laughs> I know. People probably take the church itself. <laughs> But, but this is beautiful and, and uh, I love that church. I spent quite a bit of time inside that church. It was, it, it's great. It's in the middle of, again, emptiness. 
this very beautiful uh, structure very mm-hmm. simple but very elegant church and that's it the swalbadkar ka near it but oh, i must tell you about the gravestone they have a graveyard out there now i read that in swalbad you're not legally allowed to mm-hmm. die the reason is because of the permafrost mm-hmm. so if you bury a body out there and this is predominantly christian right so if you bury a body out there the body doesn't uh, decompose decompose and therefore because of permafrost they don't allow burials there so what what do people do so if you die in swalbard the body is taken into the mainland wow and what is mainland mainland is norway okay you take it to norway you bury it there or you burn it there bring the ashes back and then that's why so i thought well, what's a uh, cemetery doing out here right. where they are doing out right. here so it's, it's so the ashes sir it's just ashes you bring it back in an urn bury the ashes out there and then you put your name plate out there if you want wow so so it's that's one town where you where you're legally not allowed to die so how cold is swalbard how cold does it get there well uh, in short it's bloody cold Okay. So it's really really cool. Yeah, because if if Norway can get really cold too. So yeah. just trying to understand. So when I was there it was at about minus 14 minus 17 and then uh, when I went out for the northern lights uh, to uh, into the hunting for the northern lights into the wilderness it was like close to minus 27 it's wow. It was really cold. And on top of it, it would start snowing at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. So if you're walking and you've got these um, uh, your, your apparatus on, your uh, face cover and your caps, if you don't have them on, you'll come back white. And I, I used to feel very claustrophobic. And if I had left the uh, face cover off, I'd come in with uh, icicles on my mustache and beard. Right, right. Uh, tell me something about the the food and the drink uh, in in Swarbhan. I mean. Uh, Do you, do you actually get anything vegetarian? I mean, how do vegetarians survive if one was one happened to? Lots of vegetarian food available. Okay, I survive there on vegetarian food. Okay, I did try go and try. You you know how I am. I'm, I'm yeah. a, a vegetarian food, but I do the non-veg to try it out. Mm-hmm. So I did try out all kinds of random things. I tried walrus. I tried seal. I tried whale again. Whale I've already had before, but mm-hmm. walrus and seal were the first for me. I tried their fish, which was extremely nice. The all kinds of meat uh, that they have, so I tried all of them. Reindeer also, I tried all of them. However, most of my food was vegetarian. There's lots of vegetarian food out there. It's a bit on the expensive side, but there's lots of it. When you say lots of vegetarian food, what kind of vegetarian? Food? So, I'm sure that there's nothing Indian down there. No, 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 nothing Indian. Yeah. In fact, I didn't meet a single Indian out there. Right. No, so there's no Indian food really. uh that uh, in one place i found thai food for some strange reason mm-hmm. so there was uh, uh rice and thai vegetable curry that i had mm-hmm. there was thai chicken curry and so on and so forth also there's a lot of thai food out there and one of the restaurants that i went into uh, had every wednesday as thai food evening mm-hmm. so from the morning onwards you had thai food mm-hmm. and uh, other than that vegetarian food what i survived on was lots of bread lovely breads out there all kinds of uh, breads lots of very nice soups and the soups would typically be onion or potato okay they there was great reindeer soup out there uh, which also i tried it was very tasty with a lot of vegetables inside it but the vegetables are typically onion potato and things like that right right so uh, so so as far as food is concerned i didn't have a problem at all uh, there's one supermarket out there in the town or maybe two but one of them that i used to constantly go to but they they used to have kapo noodles and stuff like that so you come and make your own noodles the place i stayed in they had a kitchen and you could cook your oh, own nice. food 
um there's coffee and i used to pick that up and come in and uh, make my own coffee make my own noodles uh make my own soup so you have these instant soup uh, packets out there so food was not a problem at all it's a bit expensive if you go to a restaurant have it right the booze the drinks there there, there are no local drinks really so there's a lot of vodka and uh, all of that that is there um shots of vodka extremely strong but they have a brewery in this place Ah. Yeah, so alcohol is is a restricted economy as far as alcohol is concerned. The locals are not supposed to drink too much. Mm-hmm. Earlier, they wouldn't allow these people to brew anything in their own homes. Also, it was a coal mining town, remember? They didn't want the miners to be drunk most of the time. So recently, they allowed a brewery to be set up out there. It's a place called Swalbard Brewery, and they use uh, glacier water, the mm. polar ice cap water, to make yes. their beer, etc. It's lovely beer. I went into the brewery and had a tasting session out there. I met a lovely lady out there. who took us through uh, you know how it was and stuff like that and how did they set up they just three employees here and they set up this brewery lovely beer she told me that she's probably going to bring it down to india and try and expand distribution into india yeah swalbard brewery is the name of the place super one of the things that you need to be very careful about is what they call the sad before i went out there the sad is a seasonal affective disorder okay typically what happens is uh, it, it's because of lack of sunshine Okay. Not yes. much of sun out there. So yeah. when you don't have too much of sunshine, it can lead to an onset of depression, nausea, extreme laziness, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Many people told me that uh, you know one should go when you go out there, be careful. I've taken tablets and gone. You know the uh, vitamin tablets for to replace that sunlight thing. But I didn't really uh, face any of these symptoms, so I didn't have that. But, but, but that's what it is. It's a lovely place. You should go. Patient, you must go out there and spend. When you're there, don't do two days or three days. Right. Don't do that. Sink into the place. Spend a week, man. Mm-hmm. You might think, "Kya karenge sir?" For one week, and there's no. But go without agenda, and you'll find the place. Anyway, yes. with all these lockdowns and all, a certain degree of laziness has anyway crept in, right? So we can laze around there too. Ah, but one more thing that is there is that you can't run. Okay. The whole damn thing is ice. But uh, but. Ice would be only during the winters, right? How about summers? Is summers also it's snowing and it's no uh, icy summers? Are, no, no, no. Summers are much better. The weather is far, far better. Not too much of ice and stuff like that. The mm-hmm. whole place takes on a very, very different perspective. I haven't gone there in the summers. I went in the winter. Okay. From what I've heard, that it takes on a very different perspective. Lot more of wildlife. Lot more of uh, 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 things to do in the place. More establishments are open and so on. But it also means lots more of tourists. Right. So, so that's the way it is. You you kind of balance it out. How how did you go about commuting in this place? So you walk, you walk. Yeah, and all these places are close by. Or how how much are you Kishan, walking? Kishan, a thirty minute walk. Okay. No, not thirty minutes. Say a one hour walk would be equivalent to a twenty minute walk in the city because it's ice. You take small steps right. and so on. Right. But a twenty minute walk in Bangalore, let's say. Will cover the entire city field. Ah, you can just cut across the city in that kind of a walk. It's just very small, two thousand people, man. Right. So everything is walking itself. You can take a cab, supremely expensive. There's one bus that flies out there, which I saw, which mm-hmm. goes in from, which takes you from the airport mm-hmm. into Swalbard. Okay. Airport is in Longyearbyen. <clears throat> so that bus is it's a longish bus ride. It's about what forty minutes. But there's a bus that comes in, and that comes in every one hour, I think. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, they time it along with the time of the bus, uh, of the flights. Right. So when the flight lands, there's a bus waiting out there. You come out, you get into the bus. When the flight has to go, about three hours before that, 
this bus comes into the center of the town. So it's very nice. It's a small town, very utopian. Everybody knows everybody else. It's a place that you go in to reconnect with yourself. If you've read my blog, I talked about it, about how this one Simon and Garfunkel song called The Sound of Silence was playing in my mind all the time. Right, right. You actually hear silence. Uh, there's no other sound, no traffic, no no birds also, man. So, so does so should I presume that there's no nightlife down there? There is a lot of nightlife. It's just that your definition of night differs. Okay. So nightlife there starts at about six. Oh, yeah. It's an early start. It's an early start. It's an early end because in the night it's a difficult one. Okay. So by <clears throat> at about eight o'clock you find the entire center of town where the there's some three or four bars out there and uh, clubs. So uh, it's all buzzing with action. But by 9, 9.30, it all, it, it comes down and then people. Super. All right. So thank you so much, uh, Anand, for briefing me and us all about Svalbard. Now I, I, I somehow get to understand what Svalbard has to offer. Still not made up my mind whether I should really go down there, perhaps spend a few more uh, reads, think about it and uh, and perhaps plan a trip down there. Super. Great, great, Kishan. Thanks for tuning in. Do come back for more such experiences to the Beyonder Experiences Travel Podcast. Take care, stay safe, have fun, and whatever else you do, don't trip on the ocean. आशा करते हैं कि आपको ये सोचकास्ट बहुत पसंद आया अगर कुछ कहना है इसके बारे में तो लिखकर बताइए हमें अपने फेसबुक और इंस्टाग्राम पेज पर सोचकास्ट ढूंढिए अगर आपको अपनी सोच दुनिया को सुनानी हो तो सोचकास्ट करो सोचकास्ट